This uh, feast day is one of the strangest feast days in that there are so many names for it, and also uh, it is one of the most celebrated days in the whole year by even atheists, everybody. Happy New Year. So that's what we celebrate. And the focus is the beginning again, a new year, a new time, a new, new opportunity for us to become the best that we can be. That's what New Year's is. We make resolutions. We do all kinds of things to say 23, hopefully we'll be better than 22. And in pandemic times, all the more do we say that. Hopefully 23 will bring much better times for all. Uh, if we are members of the Christian community, Christian Catholic community, we also have another New Year's as we begin on the first Sunday of Advent. And that already preceding New Year's Day for the world begins our appreciation of a whole new cycle within the church. And so we celebrate also this first day with these different names. One is the octave of Christmas. Uh, there are two times in the year where we celebrate for an octave for the eight days, Christmas and Easter. These are the two biggest feasts of the year for us as Catholic Christians. In fact, the whole cycle revolves around this, and we have two series of, of times. Uh, we, we celebrate Advent preparing for Christmas, and we celebrate Christmas for an octave, and actually all the way until the 6th of January that we call Little Christmas. And then we celebrate Lent, which leads to Easter, which also we celebrate actually 40 days of Lent, but 50 days of Easter, culminating in Pentecost. Everything else in the year is green, ordinary time. But these two sets of two seasons together, um, we celebrate in our church. But we also call this day uh, the Feast of the Circumcision. Now, when I was a child, that was the name of this feast clearly, just period. That was it. It was the circumcision. And uh, I was never a parent, so I must have mused many times, what would it be like to explain to your children what we're celebrating? Oh, honey, the circumcision, uh, you know. Uh, and strangely, although it's very Jewish, and we hear it in that second reading, uh, that Jesus was born under the law. And the law said on the eighth day, uh, a boy would be brought to the temple, he would be circumcised. Now, I intend to look it up and talk to Siri today or Google because it just occurred to me in a fresh way today. I'd like to know who the first person on the earth was circumcised. Not that we maybe know that name or that person, but when did that practice begin? Now, maybe some of you know, you can tell me after Mass, don't shout it out right now. But there must have been, I was thinking after the last Mass, maybe it was because it was important to cultures to circumcise a boy, to make him cry in pain, and say, here's the beginning of a new warrior. Maybe it was that, to prove he's a man or make a man out of him or whatever. But in any case, Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day, and so we celebrate that. And in this circumcision, it was a way of dedicating this boy to God, and that's what we did. But we also named this day, and the name now that it, it carries it, the one in all the books and the lectionary and everything, is Mary, the mother of God. Mary, the mother of God. And as was stated in the introduction to the Mass today, that's a mouthful to say. What a mouthful. Except that, and it Years ago, when we started saying it, it didn't occur to me, but we say it every time we say Hail Mary, full of grace, that, that prayer, we always say, Holy Mary, Mother of God. 
But what an amazing awareness and concept to have tripped into as Christians. Not only do we honor Mary very much, but as the mother of God. And we celebrate her in that way because uh, it very much is a reflection for us. I always tell you this, and I think it's absolutely true. Whenever we read the scriptures, that's the little word, the little story on the page. I mean, it's a historical moment in time that's captured in words, and it means a lot of things. But the real big story is how that word affects us. How does it change us? What does it do to make us become something more? And so even these feast days, it, we're, we're doing more than just celebrating Mary in memory and saying she is the mother of God. Yes, we're saying that. But so what? If we say that, so what does it mean for us? So I was thinking this week in preparation for this about the whole idea of pregnancy. And on one level, you could say this leaves men out, except the men who are so anxious for the birth of their first child or whatever. But pregnancy is, is something very interesting to me in that before you're pregnant or before a baby is conceived in the womb of a mother, uh, animal or human, um, you're not pregnant. And you never become kind of pregnant, you know? Uh, are you pregnant? Well, kind of. You either are or you're not, right? You are or you're not. And if you do that test and a little blue thing comes up on the tape, you say, oh my God, I'm pregnant. Now, it's interesting because pregnancy is, is part of the process. Until a conception takes place, you're not pregnant. And then pregnancy goes through stages. And uh, for a while, uh, a woman could be pregnant for weeks and not know it, and then uh, she may be, I don't know when, she begins to feel uh, not so good. But she carries that pregnancy until the birth. Now the pregnancy is over after the, the baby's born, right? And then there is a different kind of pregnancy. It's not literally a pregnancy, but it's the kind of pregnancy that we talk about when we say, a pregnant thought, a pregnant idea. An idea is pregnant when you didn't have the idea before and then you have it, but it's in process. And you begin to think about something, now it becomes a pregnant thought. And as it develops and comes to a point where you now hold on to that thought as something you really believe to be true, and see some of the implications of that thought. And then, once you have that thought and realize it as a reality, it's different than when you first had it. It was a pregnant thought. Now, it sounds like I'm belaboring this, but why I think it's so important is that uh, faith is like that. You know, when a child is born into a family that's Catholic, Christian, whatever, faith, but specifically for us as Catholic, the child, we just say, is not Catholic until they're baptized. And so when they are finally baptized, we can formally say, this is a Catholic Christian. This is now a Catholic Christian by baptism. But it's only the beginning stage. It's like the moment of conception, in a sense, spiritually speaking. And 
there will be a long process. I'm 72 years old. It's been going on for 72 years, and it'll go on till the day I die. And I hope that every one of us can say we are more loving than we were last year. We are more forgivers than we were last year. In this new year, 23, we're more generous, we're more kind, uh, we're, we're more receptive to God and His love and His mercy in our lives. Because if we aren't continually growing and forming more and more and more and more, then, then it just stops. So, I want to return to the idea of pregnancy because I want to suggest that as we look at Mary, the mother of God, and she became the mother of God when she became pregnant with God in the person of Jesus Christ, this special human divine person. And I believe that as we look at her and we honor her, we have to recognize that she is us. She is us. She is the model of us. When she received this news, a very mysterious message by this angelic presence, whatever all of that means, her response was, I'm the maidservant of the Lord. Do with me whatever you will. And in that, in that, she becomes the model of every Christian and the model of the church. Is that what we say? Is that how we respond to God? I'm your servant, Lord. Do with me whatever you will. So that in everything, in all of our successes, in all of our pain, in our sickness, our illness, our struggles, our struggles with finances, our struggles with relationships, all of that is the stuff of our life. All of that is the stuff of our faith. Do we only praise God when we're happy, when things are good? Or when we're knocked down to the ground, do we lying there say, God, I'm still your servant. Do with me what you will. Help me to see your presence in this stuff. And I guess in a way, it's like carrying the pregnancy of our faith along through life. And in one sense, we're, we're always pregnant. But in another sense, strange as it may seem to say both at the same time, we give birth to Christ, just like Mary. Not physically, and yet through our physical presence in the world too. Because giving birth to Christ bought, brought Christ into the world in human form. And we, both men and women alike, are called equally to be present, pregnant with the presence of Christ every single day, all day long, in and out. And we do that. We birth the Christ. We birth the Christ by our ways of following him, his words, his teaching, all the modeling that he gives through his life, even on the cross, loving in the face of hatred. We birth the Christ when we do it when we do it. So today on this Feast of Mary, Mother of God, the safe and little story is focusing on Mary, Mother of God. Beautiful. But we need, I believe, to see that as a mirror for who we are and who we are to become, what we are to become, how we are to become it. And the more that we allow Christ to be in us, to be, in a sense, pregnant with Christ in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, and birth the Christ every single day in our words and in our actions and in our ways of thinking, then we really begin to understand the power and meaning of this great feast day, which is on the first day of the new year, that we recognize, like Mary, that we also are called to receive Christ into our life 
and to birth them every day.